0: It is so good to have you with us today whether you're here in the building or whether you're worshiping up with us from wherever you are online thank you for joining us and welcome if we haven't had the chance to meet yet my name is Kim Weiskup and I'm one of the pastors here um, alongside my friend and colleague Pastor Wade today we're coming to the end of our sermon series called learning to live inside out We've been talking about the state of our souls. We've been thinking about that state of our souls as we walk around in the world. And the truth is, is that sometimes we walk around and feel empty. We feel drained. We feel hopeless. Um, And it is really hard to keep going during those times. And it's hard to hold on to hope. But the good news is that we follow a God who breathes new life into us and that's what we're going to talk about today
1: let's say a prayer together holy god you're the creator of life we're gathered today to celebrate this life, the life that you've given us. You call us out of dark places, offering us the amazing grace of new life. This life that we share with one another in this community, and the life that Jesus gives in abundance. We gather, we celebrate that. And when we see nothing but hopelessness, you surprise us. With the breath of your spirit call us out of our complacency god call us out of our routines set us free from our self imposed bonds and fill us with your spirit of life your spirit of compassion your spirit of peace god let us be grateful for life the joy of the real life you give we worship you god we pray these things in the name of jesus your anointed one And all God's people say, amen. You guys can have a seat.
2: Well, hello, church. It is good to see you today. Good to see you in the room. And those of you who are online, I see you in my heart. And uh, glad to be with you today. If we've not had a chance to meet, if you're new here, uh, I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Wade, Wade Giffen. I'm one of the pastors um, here, and uh, just thrilled that you chose to be here today. And to gather with us today, that we might seek the word of the Lord, the face of Christ In our lives, we have two readings today. The first one comes from the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures. We're over in the book of Ezekiel, if you're following along, um, over in the 37th chapter. Hear these words from the prophet Ezekiel The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was "'Full of bones. "'He led me all around them. "'There were very many lying in the valley, "'and they were very dry. "'He said to me, "'Mortal, can these bones live?' "'I answered, "'O Lord God, you know.'" (laughs) So I prophesied as I had been commanded, and as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked, and there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, mortal, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. I prophesied as, the, as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived, they stood to their feet, a vast multitude. And then he said to me, mortal, I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. And I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
0: O Lord, from your hands... Come the blessings that make life possible. You even give us the very gift of life itself. Thank you for the love that you offer us, the light that you shine in our lives, and for the breath that you breathe into us. Lord, we give back to you this day as a sign of our love and our gratitude for all of it. We ask that you use these gifts to bless others, to show them your love, and to give them hope. May everything we do and everything we say honor you. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: All right, all right. Thanks. Our uh, gospel lesson this week is five verses longer than last week. So, are you ready, Pastor Kim? And I were kind of laughing at this uh, at this particular year of the lectionary cycle. The readings uh, the readings are pretty long. So, today I've chosen, as I did last week, to use the translation called the Message, um, uh, Eugene Peterson's uh, translation, and I chose to use it this week because it's a little more. Um, Readable and, and easier to listen to because it feels a little more uh, like a story. <clears throat> we had talked about um, using selected verses, and when I looked at the story, I said, You know, what part do you leave out? You don't leave any of it out. So, uh, buckle up, gang, here we go. Uh, stay with me, if you will. Here's this good news about Jesus according to John. A man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. This is the same Mary who, messaged the, who massaged the Lord's feet with aromatic oils and wiped them with her hair. It was her brother, Lazarus, who was sick. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Master, the one you love is very much is sick. And when Jesus got the message, he said, This sickness is not fatal. It will become an occasion to show God's glory by glorifying God's Son. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. But oddly, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. And after two days, he said to the disciples, let's go back to Judea. I said, Rabbi, you can't do that. The Jews are out to kill you. You're going back. Jesus replied, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in daylight doesn't stumble because there's plenty of light from the sun. Walking at night, he might very well stumble because he can't see where he's going. He said these things, and then he announced, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. I'm going to wake him up. The disciple said, master, if he's gone to sleep, he'll get a good rest and wake up feeling fine. Well, Jesus was talking about death while his disciples thought he was taking a nap. Then Jesus became explicit. Lazarus died. And I am glad for your sakes that I wasn't there. You're about to be given new grounds for believing. Now let's go to him. That's when Thomas, the one called the twin, said to his companions, come along. We might as well die with him. When Jesus finally got there, he found Lazarus already four days dead. Bethany was near Jerusalem, only a couple miles away, and many of the Jews were visiting Martha and Mary, sympathizing with them over their brother. Martha heard Jesus was coming, and he went out, she went out to meet him. Mary remained in the house. Martha said, "'Master, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died.'" Even now, I know that whatever you ask God, he will give you. Jesus said, your brother will be raised up. And Martha replied, I know he'll be raised up in the resurrection at the end of time. You don't have to wait to the end. I am right now the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. And everyone who lives believing in me does not ultimately die at all. Do you believe this? Yes, Master. All along I have believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who comes into the world. And after saying this, she went to her sister Mary and whispered in her ear, The teacher is here and is asking for you. The moment she heard that, she jumped up and ran out to him and Jesus had not yet entered the town but was still in a place where Martha had met him. And when her sympathizing Jewish friends saw Mary run off, they followed her thinking she was on her way to the tomb to weep there. Mary came to where Jesus was waiting and fell at his feet saying, Master, if you'd only been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her sobbing, And the Jews, with her sobbing, a deep emotion welled up in him. And he said, where did you put him? Master, come and see, they said. And Jesus wept. The Jews said, look how deeply he loved him. Others among them said, well, if he loved him so much, why didn't he do something to keep him from dying? After all, he opened the eyes of a blind man. Then Jesus, anger welling up in him, arrived at the tomb. It was a simple cave in a hillside, a slab of stone laid against it. Jesus said, remove the stone. And the sister of the dead man, Martha, said, Master, by this time there's a stench. He's been dead four days. Jesus looked her in the eye. Didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Then to the others, go ahead, take away the stone. They removed the stone. Jesus raised his eyes to heaven and prayed, Father, I am grateful that you have listened to me. I know you always do listen, but on account of this crowd standing here, I've spoken so that they might believe that you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And he came out, a cadaver wrapped from head to toe with a kerchief over his face. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him loose. That was the turning point for many of the Jews who were with Mary. They saw what Jesus did and believed in him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God hey before i begin um, may i take a moment of personal privilege Um, i don't do this very often so when i do it i think at least i think and i feel like it's really important to do um and i want to i want to do that and if you would indulge me a bit today Uh, 35 years ago today my lovely wife and i were married today is our anniversary Debbie um, is not a stereotypic pastor's wife in so many ways. There's always that expectation that they play the piano or they direct the choir, you know, those kinds of things. That's not her style. Debbie is a silent servant, a quiet servant. And I'm so grateful that... She has been a part of my life, is a part of my life. And y'all, I'll tell you, I would not be able to do what I do if it wasn't for her. Um, She takes such good care of me. She frees me up so often so that I can attend you. Then I can attend the church and to care for others. I have this habit of going days without eating food because it's too inconvenient to eat. And on those days, I'll walk in my office, and there will be a plate of food sitting on my desk. When I've, been, when I've been mistreated by somebody in the church, and yeah, that happens often, and my spirit is broken, she's the one who holds me and loves me. Um, I could go on for a long time, but I heard a rumor that the sermon's really long today. <laughs> um, but I just want to say thank you. Um, how'd she do it? <laughs> right? Right? Um, and um, maybe we'll get another 35. Let's, let's hope for uh, a few more at least. So um, thank you, and thank you for allowing me to take this moment um, to celebrate. I mean, it is the 35, that's a big deal. I won't do it next year on 36. <laughs> and it is on a Sunday, that never happens. So happy anniversary. So here we are on the last Sunday of Lent, those of you who gave up great stuff for Lent can't wait for it to really come to an end, the fifth Sunday of Lent, and after today we begin a fast track from Palm Sunday, which is next Sunday. We were alarmed in worship planning this week when we realized that Palm Sunday was going to be a Sunday this year, right? That was a joke. <laughs> Give me some room here. Uh, and once we hit Palm Sunday, y'all, we're on a fast track to the cross. Palm Sunday starts that week with a parade, and it ends that week on a cross. And of course, you and I have really good hindsight about Good Friday. I mean, it's, we know it's not the last word because we already know about Easter. But do we really get the impact of Easter if we don't walk first through Good Friday? You know, i often say to folks who attend our Good Friday Tenebrae service at 7 p.m. this Friday, a little plug, um, it's a dark room. It's a somber service. And I invite people to live in what Good Friday feels like death and destruction that was a part of that week. And when we embrace Good Friday, then we come to see on Easter morning when we sing songs like Christ our Lord is risen today, we see the stark difference between the darkness of Good Friday and the good news of the resurrection of Jesus, the one who brings life in the face of death. Now, I think sometimes we kind of blow through Holy Week. And sometimes I think we do that because we need and we want the relief that Easter offers. The dark days <clears throat> leading to Easter are too difficult to bear because we have to think about the suffering that's a part of that week. We have to embrace the pain. We have to feel the loneliness. We have to experience the reality of betrayal. We have to see the corruption of people, and we get to watch Jesus get crucified and suffer on that cross and die that That's hard, sometimes too hard. Could we please just get to Easter we want? Maybe that's why the lectionary appoints these long texts, but especially the two texts we have today that I've read for you. And I don't think any of us should be surprised that we have these two texts on the last Sunday of Lent. I mean, after all, both of them are about something dead coming to life. On the one hand, these texts force us to confront the reality that things die and that things can feel like they have died in our lives. Often when I'm in pastoral conversations with folks who are going through a very tough time in their life, who have felt some loss of some kind, who are moving to a place of feeling hopeless in their life situation, I try to name what they're feeling, and I will often say, it feels like part of your life has died, doesn't it? It feels like there is no hope in that situation, doesn't it? And on the other hand, both of these texts have as a primary point that they make is that they reveal to us God's power. God's power over death. At the end of the day, these texts point to that reality. So we have this interesting juxtaposition we have death and we have the power of god side by side so i think it makes good sense to hear ezekiel preach to the valley of dry bones and listen to jesus say lazarus come out we have some very specific things that we that we say about death both a real physical body death And the other kinds of things in our lives that feel like death. What are those things? Things like like a season of your life that you have known and that you have lived and that you have loved comes to an end. And it feels like part of your life just died. Endings of relationships. Changes and losses that we seem too often to experience. Don't all of us have a part of our lives? Do you have a part of your life that feels lifeless? That feels dead? And so these texts invite us to embrace something about God in the face of the seemingly lifeless parts of our lives, it invites us to see beyond the current, present suffering of this moment that feels like death to a future that God's hand is at work and the Lord does what is impossible. Both texts. Let's look at the first one in the Old Testament. That's one of my favorite Old Testament lessons. Um, here we have the prophet Ezekiel. And it's very, during a very dark time in the, the history and the life of the peaceful of God, the Israelites. In this context, the Babylonians had conquered the Israelites and had taken them out of their homeland, off of their home soil, and they were in exile. Now, just to be clear, because sometimes I get this confused myself, this is not the exodus you know, where they found themselves as slaves in Egypt, and then Moses led them back home to the promised land. This is another, another one of those moments when they find themselves away from home in exile. And Ezekiel, the prophet, he was captured at the same time with many of the other leaders, and now he finds himself in this weird position of having to be a prophet to people who are in exile in Babylon. His job was to be the voice of God to the people of God who were in exile. He was called to bring to them a message of hope. Hope to a people who believe and seem that everything is lost. Now, there's something I wonder about Ezekiel in this text. Did Ezekiel himself have any hope for their situation? He's in there with them. This is the one who is called to speak on behalf of God to a hopeless people and tell them about hope and speak words of hope if he himself has no hope have you ever found yourself in that very position where someone you know you're someone in your family one of your friends or somebody's going through a really horrible kind of experience and you try to encourage them and you try to offer them some hope and you don't believe there's any hope yourself Have you ever done that it's hard it's impossible to do that so i wonder did ezekiel have any hope for israel or did he feel like the rest of them? The reason I wonder about that is because he had the, then he had this vision. God brings this vision to him. Is that the purpose of this vision? And in this vision, the Lord takes him out into the middle of a valley, and the valley is filled with skeletons. I told Pastor Kim, if, if October 31st ever falls on a Sunday, we're preaching this text, right? And we'll sing dem bones. Dry bones, dismembered bones filled the valley. And he adds to that that those bones were very dry, brittle and bleached out by a scorching sun. And that little addition is very important because being very dry, brittle, bleached out by the scorching sun, it says to us that these are not just dead, they're really dead. You with me? No hope. As dead as dead can be fills the valley. And the Lord asks him, mortal? Can these bones live? Now, if I was Ezekiel, I'd probably say to him, are you kidding me? Do you see these bones? Right? But I like his response better. Only you know, Lord. I wonder if that's where we get that phrase we use when we say God only knows, right? And Ezekiel began to preach, to prophesy the word, but he began to preach to all of those dead bodies. Bones. And God even gave him the very words of the sermon that he would preach to all of those dead bones. And the words of the sermon go like this. I'm bringing the breath of life to you, and you'll come to life. I will attach sinews to you, put meat on your bones, cover you with skin, and breathe life into you. You'll come alive, and you'll realize that I am God. And so the prophet got to preaching to the bones. Dang, to his wondering ears should arise such a clatter. I love how Ezekiel remembers this. He says, as I prophesied, suddenly there was this noise, this rattling of bones that were coming together, bone to its bone. Can you imagine that clamor, that clatter, all of those bones banging together, trying to find each other and get back where they used to be and getting covered with meat and skin? And then there's a key moment. Don't miss this piece. Breath. Breath. The Hebrew word is ruach, which also means spirit. God breathed. God breathed life, and they stood to their feet, the whole multitude. And why is breath so important to the vision? Where have we seen that happen before? Go back to the first page of the Bible, that part that starts out in the beginning when God scooped up dust from the ground and formed that clay into the shape of a human. And then what did God do with that piece of clay? He breathed. He ruached. He put his spirit into the nostrils of that clay being and there was a human that came to life. And Ezekiel knows that story. And so what did this vision do? For Ezekiel, the bones in the valley represent the whole nation, all the people of God, all of Israel. That great nation that God had raised up to be a blessing for all the generations and all the world is seemingly gone. It's a handful of exiles running around in Babylon. All they got is some memories. Israel was dead, they thought. Ezekiel knew that. The Babylonians knew that. The Babylonians hoped for that. Everyone knew that. It was hopeless. And I think Ezekiel probably felt that way too. Hopeless. Because once what had been is dead. Oh, but not after this vision. Because it was a glimpse. It was a glimmer of hope to a dry, lifeless people. And so what's the point of this text? It reveals God's power. It reminds us that it looks beyond the current situation to what God sees is possible, what can be. It places hope where there is no hope. It pronounces life to that which looks dead. Could you use some of that in a part of your life right now? Is there a part of your life that just feels dead? I got some dead stuff. Bet you do too. So with Lazarus, let's move over there. Lazarus, like the nation of Israel, was dead. I mean, really dead. Like graveyard dead. Like in the tomb with the stone in front of it, dead. He was dead. In fact, he'd been dead for three days. This is now day four. And they're frustrated with Jesus. Did you hear that in the story? Their frustration? Maybe he would have helped if he could have come here a little earlier, but not now because death now rules over Lazarus. So Ezekiel looks at this valley of dry bones. Jesus looked at the stone in front of the cave. But what if? What if? What if you and I could see with the eyes of Ezekiel? What if we could see with the eyes of Jesus and see what they saw rather than what our eyes tell us when they see something dead? What if we see the possibilities of God's power rather than hopelessness, lifeless reality? When things feel dead. Because that's what things look like. Dead. Hopeless. We all have that stuff, y'all. We have parts of our lives that just feel dead. We're tripping over dry, scorched bones all the time. Sometimes feel too far gone. Like Lazarus. But wait, that's what it looks like to us. What does it look like through the lens of the eyes of Jesus? What possibilities for life does Jesus see in what looks and feels hopeless to us? No no surprise, these texts are on the last Sunday of Lent. It's a warm-up. It's a readying for Easter. Easter. Because Easter is the ultimate expression of the power of life over death. And I'm not just talking about physical death. I mean, that's a big part of these stories. But also the parts of our lives that feel hopeless and lost and dead. Mortal, can these bones live? Ah, Jesus, if you'd just come a little earlier. So what do we do with all this? I got a couple of insights and um, then I'm done. First is this. The lifeless, broken, seemingly dead, beyond hope parts of your life may not really be dead. One of the things that I noticed early in both of these texts is that the ingredient that is different is the word of the Lord. It is the word of Of God. It is the word of the Lord that has the power to change a lifeless situation. Through Ezekiel, God speaks words prophesy, preach to these bones. I'll give you the words because they're mine. Or with Jesus himself, he used words Lazarus, come out. Do you need a word? From the Lord in your life, the power of the Lord who speaks with words that are more powerful than that of death. I'll just add, heads up. That word speaks real clearly on Easter. It's just around the corner. Get ready. Get ready to hear the word of the Lord about how death has no power. Don't miss it. So number one, lifeless things may not really be what they look like. Secondly, Life comes in the face of what has died. Life that comes in the face of what that died may not necessarily turn out the way we expect um, the outcome. In other words, a simple way to say it is: when we have something in our life that feels dead—a season of life, a situation, a relationship, whatever it is—that feels and looks dead. When when the word speaks and it has life in that place that felt dead, it probably won't look like or feel like what you expect, what you want, or maybe what you think you need. So the Israelites, for example, they were years and years and years before they got out of exile and got back home. It didn't happen like that. But what they did have is is faith and hope and trust in a God that they had seen over and over again in that which looked like dead proclaim life, Might Not turn out the way we expect or that we want, but it's in a Godward direction. Third is this. We have been talking through this whole series about learning to live from the inside out. And yeah, Lent is a whole lot about looking on the inside and dealing with the things that are on the inside of us. Or as we have been saying in this series, we have been saying, we want to tend our souls during Lent, these very souls that walk around in the world. In other words, we want to have our souls tended so that we might be souls speaking and moving in a world that makes a different reality. And so Here's where we make the connection in the two texts we have today. So far, we've been talking primarily um, how we can have hope in the face of what feels like it's died in our lives. You know, things like brokenness, seemingly lifeless parts of our lives. And that's a very important word. And if that's the only word you need to take today because something in your life feels dead and you need life in that place, you take that word and you go with it. I want to add to it it's not just about us individually. Both of the texts point out that it's also about how our souls operate in the world. When you look over at that text of the dry bones in Ezekiel, it wasn't just one poor soul, one skeleton laying there. It was every, every person. It was all of the community. Their skeletons were laying all over the place. It moves us to see and to understand that God is about bringing life to the dead places of the whole of God's people, not just me. And so as our souls move around in the world, it is about the wellness, it's about hope, it's about life for the whole world. And now, over in that story about Lazarus, I had never seen this detail ever before until Pastor Kim just randomly said it to me in the hall this week. Well, not randomly, because she knew what text I was working on. Here's this part When Jesus calls Lazarus from the grave and Lazarus walks out, Jesus' job is done. He didn't do anything else. Did you notice what he did? He turns to the people of the community and he says to them, unbind him. In our text it says unwind him, but unbind him. It was the work of the community of the people of God that one who had been lifeless has new life because of Jesus, that, the, that they were still in bondage, something still held them. Yeah, they could get up and they can walk, but the community, it was Martha and Mary and the others who unwound him, unbound him so that he could truly be set free. When God brings life to the lifeless parts of lives, we have the responsibility to surround them and help them feel set and be set free. And for our own sakes, when a lifeless part of our life begins to have a glimmer of life again, we can look to the community of the people of God that we might be unbound and set free. And so may the bindings in our world and in our lives that feel impossible to untangle, but every day the word of the Lord, every day, what day? Every day, the word of the Lord sets someone free. That's the message of the day. The evidence of God making good from destruction is all around us. And so may you experience life in the face of something that feels dead. And when you experience that, witness to the power of a God who's more powerful than the grave. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, thank you for your power and your presence. Thank you that your eyes see differently than our eyes, that when we see nothing but death and destruction and loss and hopelessness, you see a possibility. You see life. You have the power over hopelessness, the power over death. And so, God, we pray that you you bring us to life and we'll not fail to give you the thanks and praise for the many ways that we see your hand working in us and through us in a world that often feels so lifeless. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So thanks for being in worship today and being on this journey of Lent with us. Now, this week marks a significant change in our journey to Easter. This next Sunday is Palm Sunday. It's the Sunday that we remember Jesus' great triumphant entry into the city. Uh, But all that parade didn't last very long. We know the events that happened once he got into the city that ultimately led to the cross. And so we're going to move to that part of the journey next Sunday. And I look forward to you joining us for that. Until then, God bless you.